My guest in today's episode of Telstra Behind the Mic is Christian Neal, Manager of Information Technology at Taylor, a dynamic construction and property delivery partner connecting people and spaces. In his role as Manager of IT, Christian has taken Taylor on the journey towards a hybrid cloud leave on-prem model. That's on-premises for those not down with the lingo. Christian was the key decision maker behind implementing Telstra's enterprise wireless solution on all Taylor sites, bringing some of the most cutting edge technologies to the business, allowing them to look at some pretty futuristic sounding approaches to construction. Now I'll confess, the high point of my construction career was an IKEA office desk and two chair combo I whacked together in 2016 and is still going strong, minus one of the chairs. So it's just as well we have our guest here today. Christian Neal, welcome to Telstra Behind the Mic. Ah, yes, thank you, and uh, congratulations on the uh, IKEA desk. I can assure you, mate, you've still got a job. Um, Taylor, as I said, a dynamic construction and property company. What, what, What does that mean? So I suppose the important part to look at is the word dynamic. Dynamic means reacting to change and reacting to the environment around you, and that's pretty much sums up how Taylor are. They're a dynamic and reactive company to the world around us. And in doing so, we want to make sure that we're spread across multiple sectors and really engaging with a lot of wide variety of partners and projects so that we can, again, change and adapt with everything going on in the world around us. How long have you guys been around? Uh, Over 20 years now. Yeah, I think it's 24, thinking back to uh, to MT's uh, little overview that he gave me earlier in the year. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> don't don't quote me on that. But yes, I always go off the self of going, yep, yeah, I know we're over 20 years old now and I've been with them for uh, going on eight years. And we'll, we'll get into the details soon of the path you've gone, but, but generally you've you recently decided to really go cutting edge in the technology you're deploying. Philosophically, why? Before we get into the detail, what, why would you make a decision like that? So probably there's both the personal and professional ideal on that is from the professional level, we want to have the competitive edge. We want to make sure that there are no reasons why, from a technology point of view, a client may pick a competitor over us when it comes to that angle. And then personally as well is wanting to ensure that... uh, all the technology that I bring to the business and to tailor is always going to be up to date. We're secured. We're bringing in that, as you say, that cutting edge and that innovation, and all of that is always developed off of the latest technology. And then, but when we talk the latest technology, there's so many different paths you can go down, both individual providers, but also the types of technology. Why was it the enterprise wireless solution? Why was that? Why was that the the, the best way for you guys to connect to your many sites and locations? So that's an excellent one. So. Going back to probably, again, the early years when I was with Taylor, there was a a mix of technologies used to connect up our construction sites and actually bring uh, just general internet and network connectivity to those locations. And the biggest challenge that we started to face, particularly when we branched as a business into the fit-out and refurbishment sector, a lot of those projects may only run, Adam, for four or five months. Now, Mm -hmm. we were finding that to get... uh, sufficient levels of bandwidth or connectivity might take two to three months to get a fibre connection there. And at that point, your project's half over and you haven't actually delivered any internet or workable parts. So we were finding that we weren't able to react quick enough to what the clients wanted. And that then drove this need of going, okay, we need to start exploring what technology can bring us a wireless level of solution. And that's where the, the partnership with Telstra came in and looking at this enterprise wireless sort of level of going, okay, how can we now do this rapidly respond quickly and get our sites operational and internet online within days instead of months. And I guess it's the sort of thing, if you haven't worked in the industry, people would have no idea how sophisticated and complicated those sort of 
activities are, the sheer number of people you have, and it might be just a ch- an unexpected change in the weather might completely change what you want to do at a particular site. Absolutely. If you're running multiple smaller sites within a larger build, a yep. significant number of the people you're dealing with are not your full-time employees. You're contacting them on a day-by-day basis, often at very short notice. These things, I presume, get remarkably complicated. Of course. And even if you take it as a basic example of, uh, say, you have a site shed located on a construction job, if that site shed that is connected by fibre or a fixed line service has to be craned and moved for two weeks because we're about to bring in some excavation or some earthworks of something has been discovered that needed to be done, well, now you lose your fibre service because you have to try and reconnect that, which might take a, a change of notification period of four to six weeks again to get that reconnection done. So taking that out of the equation meant we were able to, again, react and dynamically respond to these sorts of changes in the field very quickly. And and, and when we talk about this sort of this, this sort of pioneering Telstra-Taylor case study we can look at now, it's 5G technology that you're rolling out on, on project work sites. 5G. 5G. Let's look at what the internet is today. The internet is now the, the superhighway and the connectivity point for every device and the way that, that, that humanity now responds to the world around us. 5G is the next evolution of that. 5G is the speed, it's the low latency, it's the connection, it's the, uh, it's the final piece of the puzzle that allows us to really start connecting every device and reporting and responding on that technology level. And that's what we need 5G for. I think a lot of people have heard of the, the, the promise, the potential of 5G, but if in, in anything like this, when you're adopting a new technology, there's obvious potential advantages if you if you get out first and you you, you get it right. You've got faster, sexier tech than all your competitors. You you, you know it quicker. You, you you're ahead in the understanding of the applications. There's also risks in early adopting, aren't there? That whatever the challenges are, you're going to be the first guinea pigs. Correct. To encounter them, what sort of, what sort of challenges in in, in really revolutionising this technological approach? What what came along in particular? Was there anything you hadn't expected, or was 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 lumpier than you thought it might be? Uh, probably lumpier, or or as you say, a bit more stumbly than I would have expected was the level of development with some of the third party companies. So when you when you're pioneering a lot of this sort of thing, and you you uh, as you say, you're on the cutting edge, you're you're working with these vendors at their latest product as well. So while you may be testing it for the first time, you may only be one of five other people that are also testing it. So if you discover something wrong, or in the case we had, we found a a bug in something we had to do with the deployment of that technology, that bug wasn't something that we could actually be responsible for or fixing. We had to go back to the vendor's developer and report that back to them and say, okay, guys, you have a substantial problem here. It's affecting you know, this particular process or function we want to achieve out of the 5G network. Uh, what's your sort of ETA? And they come back to you and tell you, okay, well, actually, Christian, we don't have an ETA because we need to find what that problem is too. So there's always that, that risk of you know, when you're always at that front point, things that you discover as wrong, you might just very well be the first person to discover that it's wrong. Okay, Christian, you can get pretty excited now. Boys with their toys, you can, you can dive into some tech for me. Now, let's get let's go through the various stages of of, of a project. You know, construction and, and, and fit-out, let's let's look there. The, the, the sort of using emerging technologies in construction and fit-out, what sort of technologies are you deploying? And, and, and work me through the types of technologies. Assume I'm an idiot here and have not heard of, you know, I don't know the difference between AR and VR and things like that. Of course. Walk us through the sort of technologies you're deploying and how in, in the stage of construction and fit-out. Of course. So uh, probably the most impressive one, and it's a, it's a big one that everyone's been hearing a lot of now is, as you say, VR and AR and what is that now? 
at its core essence, it's a mixture of reality. It's blending the lines between what we see, hear and feel and smell around us now as humans and what technology can add on to that layer. So they do that through various methods. Virtual reality is one. How we're specifically starting to use it at Taylor is with mixed reality technology delivered through the HoloLens. So Microsoft have this wonderful headset piece of equipment you can place over your head and it brings holograms and projections into your eye vision over the top of what you naturally see in the area around you. Now that gives us unique opportunities on some of our projects where we can now take the models that we actually use for the building before the building is built and start to detect things like clashes or areas where the hydraulics need to go that may not have actually been feasibly designed properly yet and you can place these headsets on, walk through the empty building you're about to fit out and go, hang on guys, the model isn't right here. We're not gonna be able to actually put this service where it's supposed to go because there is a concrete pillar here that wasn't on the plans that no one foresaw or knew about and we can't move that pillar. So back to the drawing board, let's update this model before we end up spending two weeks worth of effort and energy to get these trades out here and subbies out here to finish the work. Because as much as someone like myself would like to think, look, it's, it's a simple science. You've got an empty room. You know it's an empty room. Okay, go and put something in there for me. I presume you're constantly uncovering uh, yeah, f physical uh, pieces there or not there, the difference between what you assumed the site you were walking onto and the thing you're actually handed can be significantly different? Uh, absolutely it can be. So a lot of these plans, they could be going back decades and decades if they're you know, uh, a fit-out project of, of an old refurbishment of a building. Uh, one of the uh, old projects I worked on was the Museum of Contemporary Art over a decade ago when they did the expansion there. An, an amazing building in, in Sydney and now one of, a world-class modern museum of contemporary art, but it went into an old government building. Correct. What did, what did you stumble upon? Oh, there were there were false walls hidden over the top of regular walls that weren't on any plans. We found uh, mains power cables underneath the old building that were not ever physically installed or listed on any plans that they were installed that connected to nearby apartment buildings. And all of that had to be factored in into every stage of the, the works going, OK, this museum needs to open in six weeks' time or eight weeks' time. We need to get these services relocated in a hurry and we need to actually do it while still opening the museum. So the pressure was immense on that job and moving from that role to Taylor, it's very similar where, you know, you might be on a, on a school's infrastructure job where they're trying to do their exam times and you've got to work around not only your noise restrictions of exams, but again, what other legacy services are under the ground here that we weren't told about? We have to dig a lot of it by hand even if we're not sure in order to make sure we don't disrupt those students. All of these challenges will come up in the field and, again, credit to our project managers, that's they respond to that extremely well and our level of technology now is trying to just give them the tools and ability to respond to that, again, dynamically, again, bringing about that change. So in the case of something like the MCA, but you, you'd literally see a power cable go, I wonder what that does turn it off and you'd see the lights go off in an apartment across the that, road. That happened at one point. Yes, it did. But without, <laughs> without word of a lie, that, that did happen one time. And it's it's things like that that just make you shake your head and go, wow, you know, this this is the same thing that a lot of the city of Sydney has to deal with, uh, with all sorts of projects. You guys are also, from what I understand, looking at placing these emerging technologies into the structures themselves, smart sensors. 
yes. augmentation devices, etc. What sort of roles can those technologies play within the structure themselves? Yeah, so that's one I've been talking to a company that are actually Canadian-based, and uh, I won't mention their name at this point because it's still early days. However, uh, they specialise in, again, uh, they're a sensor that equip onto the Rio bars that are then the concrete is poured around. Now, those sensors, when you walk up to them with an iPad, will transmit back real-time information about the MPA grading if it's not quite correct to what this actual concrete was. It'll tell you any moisture uh, cracks that are uh, starting to appear or any differences with the atmospherics in it. Uh, and it will also just give you general information over the life of the sensor, any building movement, any change and shift in its, in its original position. It can relay that back. So not just during the construction, but you're saying both administrators of a building or residents themselves can continue to interact with... That's the, the structure idea. if it's if it's built smart. Yep, that's the idea. It's about all this uh, the Internet of Things. It's about really enabling that full life cycle of a project and giving the the tools back to the the client or the end user instead of just using it at the phase of building. Is there a challenge for your workforce? I mean, you know, a tech genius like yourself, you might look at all this sort of stuff and go absolutely gaga. But if you're if you're expecting employees to use technology that they're not familiar with or that that is, that is chopping and changing, that can be a challenge in itself. Definitely. So change management is paramount, and really the training and adaptation for the the teams is really important. So you know, we we rely a lot on. Uh, internal training from my team and myself to really go out to the sites and, and spend the time with the people that will utilise all of this technology. And again, in order for them to get value from it, they need to know how to use it. Okay, so, Bl- blow my mind. Give me give me something you've seen or put in an application on, on a site or during a build or something like that, that even by your lofty standards has really tripped your trigger. Um, oh. Okay, so probably the the latest one would be on a on a job that we've got going active. Um, there's a number of projects we're using the Hololens on, as we said, but one of them in particular, uh, I was able to load up a particular piece of the structural steel, and then actually drop a Google pin of myself onto the corner edge of the steel at the top of the building. And then with the click of a button, I was standing on the top of that building and was able to look down and look at what this whole unit would see around it and see it finished and polished. And it was incredible. It blew my mind. You actually get the vertigo feeling in your chest looking over these edges and going, wow, look at the the height of this building. It is just incredible. Now, I know that at, at Tala, you like to be at, at the cutting edge. You've got this great partnership with Telstra going that you think has you, you know, in front of the curve, as they say. But you, you're regularly in discussion with other people in the industry about best practice and where it's going. There's a CIO working group, as far as I understand. Yeah, that's correct as well. Uh, uh, so... Generally in construction, because it's such a you know closed community or such a you know we all face the same challenges. And whilst we are competitors to one another from the technology expert level of it, we're all in it together really. And that's where we start to have these collaborative sessions. And about once every six months to a year, we get together the CIOs, the IT managers of a lot of the construction workforce across Australia, all the tier ones right down to some of the tier threes. Uh, and we just get in a room and have a brainstorming session and we'll sit there and go through, okay, what are some of the challenges you're facing? Or we'll have a topic same as we're doing today. What are some of the emerging technologies that our competitors might be starting to use or that we might be using and what challenges have they faced and how can we prevent that happening for us and ultimately uh, bring better value to the end user. Uh, One of the great ways we did that recently was we had uh, a software vendor that was probably charging a bit more than they should have uh, for a lot of problems that were in their software coding and was used by a a large market share of the Australian construction uh, business. So we went to them as almost a union of our own and said, hey guys, these are your top 10 things that we believe is your customer 
customers you need to fix and you need to do a good rate. Otherwise, we're going to look at taking our business collectively elsewhere. And they immediately responded to that. So that was a, a good, again, use of that collaboration of, of like-minded individuals to, to really bring some uh, you know, excellent traction to the industry. And, and once this journey's out of the bottle, we're not we're not going backwards, are we? It's, it's interesting because I think about the people I know who I was at high school with or university with who went into construction and and building. And a lot of the attraction to that was still just that natural extension of physically building stuff. And a lot of people on these builds are tradies, are contractors, are subbies. But there's, there, I get the impression going forward, there's more of a role for young girls and young boys who are attracted to the technology and, and the geeky side of this sort of stuff in actually producing physically built environment. That's correct. Like You'll see that the line between what was a builder previously and what is the builder of tomorrow is going to start blurring very quickly over the next 10 years. As you say, now that this technology is starting to be at the forefront and we're starting to just scratch the surface of what it can do and what it will do, for the generation of tomorrow in 10 years' time, this will be how they build their buildings. This is just going to be the way. There wasn't going to be a way before it happened. It will be how they do it. And for for the ageing workforce, they're still going to be passing down the tools of the trade in terms of how they did things in order for the new generation to pick up that level of information and bring it into the, the, the new generation and go, right, let's take everything they know about building and now let's make it digital. And now let's take that digital frontier and push it into the field. Okay. Have a look at your little crystal ball. In wrapping this up, you know, this, this partnership with yourself and Telstra has you at the cutting edge now. Ten years from now, what's going to be the cutting edge? What sort of technology do you think might be deployed in this space if we keep pushing that envelope? I believe if we keep going the way we're going to go, Adam, we're going to start seeing the need, not, not just want, but the need to have uh, virtual technology overlaying our existing structures permanently. So we are going to need, uh, forget the idea of headsets, that's going to become a thing of the past, needing battery units, it's going to be holograms actually in the structure. So there will be smart sensors and smart projectors built into the building that will give you overlays so that if you want to change a space, a designer can come in and show you, okay, great, I've got this space around you, here, let me show you and hologram the room for you to see what this could change to look like. That's what I think that the future will change to. Exciting times? Very exciting times. Thank you so much from Tyler, Christian Neal. Thank you, Adam.